My name is Mark Millen, and you're listening to Pro Lacrosse Talk. Right off the bat, there's Lyle Thompson. Courier, Kylie Omel are showing off those shifty skills. Driver driving hard down the alley, and he scores. What a goal from Josh Bird. Kayla Trainer fires to score. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. Gets topside, wrap, oh, scores! Welcome to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. Your go-to podcast for interviews with professional players, coaches, and executives, as well as the latest news and analysis from all three professional lacrosse leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Adam Moore and Hutton Jackson. Welcome to another episode of Pro Lacrosse Talk. I'm Hutton Jackson here with my co-host, Adam, who is back after a couple episodes absence and by the time this podcast is released, he's going to be a lacrosse dad, or in my mind, he is. Adam, how excited are you to raise a future pro lacrosse player? I can't wait, man. AU, it'll be a little girl. So a couple years down the line, the AU will have a new uh, athlete coming into the ring. So watch out, uh, Caitlin Wurzberger and the rest of the crew. <laughs> yeah, we are super excited. I haven't done the math on when she will be eligible to play pro. I'm not going to, cause I'm not a math guy, but uh, again, congrats to you and Maddie on the, the birth of your newborn. We can't wait to see her. Um, and yeah, we're just really excited for you. I know you, man, you've had a whirlwind of this month though with BL and a new baby on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Super excited. Uh, shout out to my boys, Latin Lakers, JV squad uh, came back from down four, nothing uh, to uh, upset the number one seed Loyola Dons to make it to the JV MIAA championship. Unfortunately, I won't be there cause that's when uh, the little one will be here, but excited to to watch from uh, the delivery room. Our, our squads bring home a championship. Absolutely. We're pulling for the Lakers for sure. Um, and today we're going to talk about Hall of Fame. Um, so we're, we're going to talk about the older lacrosse players, the former lacrosse players on this episode a lot. Um, and as the name implies, you know, this is pro lacrosse focus, but I did want to start off a little bit before we get into the Hall of Fame stuff with the fact that we got lacrosse lines we got to bet on college lacrosse this past weekend. That's pretty exciting. They had, DraftKings had lacrosse lines. Clearly, they're all in on both the PLL and college lacrosse. Yep. And who knows, you know, the NLL right around the corner as well. I'm sure we'll be getting some future odds come this fall uh, for that those teams as well. But uh, what were your thoughts when you saw that college betting lines were available? Yeah, I mean, I honestly wasn't expecting it at all, right? It just uh, popped up on my feed that, it, that, that the option was there. And uh, I'm all that much more excited for, for once uh, it gets finally passed in Maryland that I can uh, use my DraftKings account while, while I'm at home, right? I'm uh, excited to be able to use that and kind of just looks, you know, and it kind of just when you think about it, just sees how the sport is growing, right? Mm-hmm. Before it wouldn't have been on there. And now that opportunity is on there. Hopefully, uh, I just assumed from last Twitter uh, that betting was rampant over, over this weekend. So excited to see uh, that going forward. Absolutely. Shout out to Isaac Berkey, who found our contributor found out that the lines were out there. Obviously not open to many states. Uh, you know, there was a select few. Jersey was included, so I was able to place a bet. I did not, not pan out. Um, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I didn't think Monmouth was going to beat UNC for sure, but UNC put up a whooping. I thought the nine and a half might have been a safe bet. It, it wasn't. Um, they did not cover. Um, and so that, that unfortunately was not going to pan out for me this weekend. Um, that's the only really reason I touched, touched it though. Cause it was just the, the odds were, uh, I mean, I, I just lacrosse games tend to be pretty competitive, um, despite even when teams are outmatched. So I, I thought they'd at least, you know, close the gap a little bit, but it wasn't. I mean, if, 
It only makes sense. You're a Jersey Shore guy. You got to root for the Jersey. Shore. My Jersey Shore biases yeah. were definitely showing. You know, they're only a couple you know, probably 30 miles north of me, not even. So I, I, yeah, my Jersey shore biases were showing a little bit. You got to think with your, uh, you got you to remove your heart from these bets. And I, I still haven't learned to do that. So um, fortunately I'm going to learn a little bit, you know, from Dan and Doug who are going to be launching the bet on lacrosse podcast. That's coming out this summer uh, to cover all things PLL betting. So we're really excited about that. They recently ran the fancy lacrosse podcast. Um, so they are going to be taking over a new podcast for us called bet on lacrosse really pumped about that. Um, so definitely be sure to check that out. And I know the first episode, they're going to be talking about these PLL future odds. Right now, the whips are plus 160. So obviously they're the favorites after winning back-to-back championships. You have the archers at plus 475, Cass 575, Redwood 625, Chrome 800, Cannons 900. And then the Atlas and Water Dogs are plus 1100. Now those odds have moved around a little bit, not too drastically. I think the biggest drastic uh, difference was Water dogs were pretty favorable at plus 900 and the cannons were, you know, you know, I I get their expansion team, but they were at plus 2000 at one point. Um, So I, they were very favorable. If you, you know, again, think Lyle Thompson is the best player in the world. Why not place that down? And they moved pretty quickly within a day. They went down to plus 1500 and now they're sitting at plus 900. So um, I think DraftKings is probably still trying to figure out how to price these, and they're probably going off of what bets are placed. I'm sure a lot of people hopped on the cannons bandwagon right away. And that's probably why it reflected. Um, but I mean, the water dogs odds got even worse. Uh, you know, I, I wish I would have waited. I already placed a, a wager on them at plus 900. So, um, you know, I know you luckily got in on the plus 1100. So we'll see how that pans out for both of us. I think off season moves were too big and the, the odds are too, too great of a opportunity to pass up on. So, um, that's that's where we sit on the future odds right now. But again, awesome to see you know the betting community embrace lacrosse, and of course you know that's where sports are shifting in that direction to begin with. But the fact that lacrosse is at the forefront of that's just going to allow more eyeballs on the sport. You know, revenue is is a big thing as well as sports betting, but the big thing is getting a new audience, and that's why the PLL and the NLL have both invested so heavily into sports betting. And uh, we're really excited to see the PLL this summer with some more betting opportunities and the NLL coming uh, when they return to the floor as well. We also had some hiring moves. Uh, Matt Bocklet, who was the president and GM of the Outlaws, uh, is now going to be an assistant coach with the Water Dogs. That kind of came out of left field. I think it's a tremendous hire. We don't know if he's going to be a third coach because right now the way it's set up is the PLO coaches, there's only two assistants. So I don't know if Brendan Dawson or Robert Cross is maybe not going to be present this summer, but Matt Bocklet has been hired. Um, to be a water dogs assistant. So we'll, you know, it, it matches up pretty well to the fact that they trade for Eli Gobrecht. Um, you know, they have a whole new defense coming in now, in addition with Liam Burns and Ben Randall. And they also reacquired Brian Carolunas from the player pool after he missed last season. So, you know, that defense is going to look a lot different than it was last year. So that's a, a pretty big hire and, a, and one that we're excited about. I was surprised to see it made before the Atlas filled their defensive coordinator role. It will be Ken Clawson taking over uh, for Rick Beardsley as defensive coordinator of the Atlas. Those are kind of the coaching, you know, hires, obviously PLL also released its TV schedule. You know, there's been a lot that's happened since we last, you know, had a recap podcast. You're going to get four games on NBC. You get 17 on NBC Sportsnet, and you're going to get all 44 on Peacock, which is cheaper uh, over the long term, month by month, than it is for NBC Gold. So I think it's a win for lacrosse. It's hopefully going to be the best summer of pro lacrosse I think we've had in a while. Best players are back under the same roof. 
Um, you know, it's going to be on TV more than it has ever been. Um, so I know we're both really, really excited for these upcoming matchups and we're going to be kind of picking our favorites week before the season starts. So we're definitely excited about that, but let's get to the main event here. The Premier Lacrosse League announced they are starting the professional lacrosse hall of fame. Now that is not open to indoor players. It's not open to female players. It is just encompassing the MLL and PLL players. And there is a minimum of five-year playing career and you have to be, have been retired for three years. So guys like John Grant Jr., Gregor Enlian, probably hall of famers down the road, not going to be eligible this year um, so far. And a few other players too, that aren't actually going to be eligible due to these rules ever are Mikey Powell. You know, a lot of people tossed his name around. He only played in the MLL for three seasons. Um, obviously would have been a stud if he continued to play, but he only played in three seasons. Paul Gates, another one only played in nine games. I didn't realize he only played in nine games despite winning MVP that inaugural season with the lizards. Um, he only played in uh, six, that first season with the lizards and three with the cannon. So only two seasons for him. He will not also not be eligible um let's get into the professional lacrosse hall of fame they're going to induct three attackmen three midfielders three defenders a specialist and a goalie give me some thoughts on who you might think it gets called up uh for this hall of fame yeah i mean as a goalie myself that's usually where my my uh first thoughts go and you know a main reason why i i went and played the goalie position are because of two guys philly guy in Brian Doherty and my all-time favorite, Greg Catrano, right? Those are the two guys that, that come to mind immediately to fill uh, this goalie position. Um, obviously, uh, Doc was a fantastic player for, for Team USA during his time in the MLL, three-time champion, but it has to be Greg Catrano, right? Well, you talked about that five-year minimum, right, for, for eligibility. Well, Greg Catrano played in the first five championship games, let alone five years of competition, only goalie to ever win MVP of the league in the MLL. So I think he has to be the, the first goalie to get in. The cat uh, is the guy for me at the goalie position. Yeah, it's got to be Catrano. I mean, you mentioned he went to five straight championships. He won three straight championships. 2002, he was with the Bayhawks. 2003, he was with the Lizards. And 2004, he was with the Barrage. So he won three straight championships with three different teams. That just doesn't happen in sports, let alone lacrosse. So the fact that he did that, I think, you know, it just it epitomizes him as one of the best goaltenders in professional field lacrosse. I think he's got to be the first goalie to make it into this Hall of Fame. Going off of that, let's, I, I think, hit on the attack a little bit because um, there's a lot of debate around, you know, who should go. And I think the most interesting thing with this hall of fame is because there hasn't been one, you're going to see some older guys probably get, you know, called up first, like a guy like Brennan Mundorf is going to be a hall of famer, but he's a little bit younger than a lot of some of the other guys that came before him. Um, so that's where I think it gets a little bit tricky though. You have some guys that should ultimately be in this class um, probably inaugural class, but, um, you know, you can only choose three essentially. So right now I kind of have the guys that are looking to maybe, you know, be in this inaugural class as Casey Powell, Ryan Powell, Jesse Hubbard, Mark Millen, and Ryan Boyle. And I'm going to get your thoughts, Adam, but I'm going with Powell, Millen, and Boyle, just because Boyle right now has the highest assist total in all of professional lacrosse history, MLL. Um, he played, you know, obviously with the cannons and with the barrage, the next closest is Joe Walters, who's not going to catch him for probably another two years, which, I, you know, again, is just a testament to how good Ryan Boyle was. He, in 133 games, he had 292 assists. So behind him is Joe Walters with 165 games and 266. 
And Casey Powell, who I mentioned earlier, is not too far behind with 130 games played and 256 assists. So, you know, it's just absurd, the production that Ryan Boyle had. And Casey Powell is another guy who, you know, I think is going to be hearing his name called. Um, I don't know about Ryan. Ryan also had a phenomenal career, given the fact that he only played also 85 games and still managed to put up 360 points. I mean, he should definitely be in consideration as well. But ultimately, I think it's going to be Casey Powell, Ryan Boyle, and Mark Millen, who we've also had on the podcast, who had 350 points in 85 games. So, you know, I I think the debate comes down to, is it Powell or Millen? Because both of them played in the same amount of games, and Ryan Powell has 10 more points on him. Yeah, I think uh, between those two, I I would go Millen as well. But we we really haven't talked about Jesse Hubbard. Uh, as much and I I, I agree with, with your, your three and it was really hard for me though to leave a guy like Jesse Hubbard off this list when when I think in MLL and I think originator of professional outdoor lacrosse he's one of the first guys that pops into my head um, our guy Kyle Harrison commented when we asked uh, who should get in obviously his choice was Jesse Hubbard as well um, I'd have a hard time uh, leaving a, a guy like Jesse off this list. I, I, I don't know who I'm taking off at the moment, but uh, I, I really want to find a way for, for him to be one of those three attackmen. Yeah. And he cer- currently sits, you know, right behind, you know, Millen and Powell with 319 yeah. um, and, you know, 91 in 91 games played. So yeah, it, it's tough, you know, it, it's tough to kind of decide. And, you know, sometimes there's different reasons why, you know, players get in, like it would make a lot of sense to put both the pals in together. You know, I think that would make for a good story. So maybe you'll see both of them in um, along with Boyle, I, I think, um, you know, I, again, it's, it's kind of a toss up uh, and there's just so many, you know, phenomenal MLL players over the years that it's tough choosing an inaugural class because you want to give recognition to all those guys, but you also have to space them out as well. Yeah. And I think the league was smart in the way they went about having that three-year out minimum, because that means we'll be able to uh, grab some of these guys that don't get in this inaugural class uh, going forward. And then over the next two seasons. Absolutely. You know, you got John Grant Jr., uh, Matt Donowski, uh, you know, are all kind of top of those lists. Like, you know, Joe Walters, we mentioned, like those are three guys I'm looking at that, you know, now John Grant Jr. And Matt Donowski have retired. Their clock has started. Um, and, you know, Joel Walters has probably only got a couple more seasons left too at maximum. So, you know, those guys are going to be waiting in the wings as well, but yeah, so, so much talent in this league. It's, it's crazy. A guy like Kyle Dixon too, who, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be in the hall of fame discussion yet, but uh, he has 55 two point goals and Rabel's the next closest with two point goals at 47. So it's going to be fun to kind of watch this summer and see like a bunch of the records that, you know, some players that are currently playing are chasing, um, so shout out to Jake Watts um, and the rest of the team over there at the PLL for putting this all together. I, I think it's phenomenal to have all these stats under one roof. Yeah, absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. And one, uh, one storyline going in uh, to next season based off of these stats going off it, Will Manny and Marcus Holman are 13 and 14 on the all time uh, point side of things. So they're going to be playing back to back in terms of uh, going at each other to, to kind of keep going up those rankings. So that'll be a fun storyline going into the season as well. Yeah. They're, they're probably going to help each other a little bit too, uh, you know, getting up there and they're both played a hundred games as well. So 
you know, it's going to be a, a pretty similar sample size, barring any injuries from either of them. Um, so yeah, the Bunk Bread brothers are going to have a fun time, hopefully this summer with the Archers, um, for sure. And moving on to the midfield, um, I think this was maybe a little bit easier to pin down, not necessarily. I mean, again, there's been some talented midfielders throughout the MLL career as well, but you know, a guy that we both think is a shoe in is Gary Gate. Um, you know, whenever you think of greatest of all time, his name is always in discussion. He meets that minimum, you know, which Paul unfortunately didn't meet, um, having played, I believe, five seasons in the league. So, you know, I think he's going to get in. He only played 69 games in the league, and despite only playing 69 games, still managed to have 236 points. I mean, that that's just phenomenal, especially at his age, too, joining the league. He was no spring chicken. So um, I, I think that's, you know, he's a guy that's going to definitely get in on the midfield. Um, who are some other guys, Adam, that you think we should, you know, be expecting? Yeah, you know, uh, a guy like J.J. Albert and Matt Striebel uh, probably are uh, fitting for this list. Obviously, I'm a, a biased to, to Matt Striebel. He was the first uh, championship for Philadelphia squad I ever saw. Uh, and uh, he, he's a fantastic player and obviously tops on on the, the, the points list and whatnot as well, high up there. So uh, definitely uh, one. And then another kind of along the same lines as, as a guy like Jesse Hubbard, when you think of originator of MLL, Jay Jalbert is one of the first names that comes to mind. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what he did for the game too, not just on the field, but also from a production standpoint, yep. you know, producing all those videos, um, exposure videos, I think was really cool too. And he's still doing that now with um, Players Academy. So, you know, I, I think, uh, again, he, he's another guy that's, you know, on my list to, to make it into the Hall of Fame in this inaugural class. Defense is a little trickier for us to kind of look from a statistical standpoint because we don't have the cause turnovers leaders like, you know, right now in front of us. Um, so we kind of went more off names here. And, uh, you know, the one that I, I think is just a shoe in to get in has got to be Brian Spolina. I mean, the dude has won seven championships in the MLL. It's yep. just, it's unreal. Like, again, it's, he has more than Tom Brady. The, the dude has to get into the Hall of Fame for my mind. Uh, uh, again, he was just a terror all over the field. Um, and he did it with multiple teams as well. Um, and I also like to see his fellow bash brother, Nikki Polanco also get in, um, again, th these guys were monsters and, you know, had they, you know, been playing in their prime today, they would still be terrorizing, you know, PLL players all over the field. So, um, those are two guys that I, I think should get in. Did you have any ideas on who you think should get in on the defense side, Adam? Yeah. Another guy like Lee Zink stud for, for the outlaws for, for so long. Um, really awesome contributor, strong guy, uh, played in a million uh, all-star games. Uh, Lee Zink is a guy that I think will be a first ballot, first class uh, guy. And another guy that I, I would like to see is uh, maybe, you know, Ryan Curtis, who's currently coaching in the PLL. Yeah. Um, you know, he was picked as the Cannons MVP three times. Um, so I, I think that's pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, was defensive player of the year in 2003. And then uh, Kyle Sweeney is a guy too that, you know, really kind of transformed that LSL M position along with Brody Merrill, who's still currently playing in the league. So we'll have to wait a little bit, you know, longer for Brody Merrill too, but he'll be a first ballot hall of famer as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think Kyle Sweeney should get some love. And obviously uh, yeah, that's probably music to your ears, Adam, him Absolutely. being a Philadelphia barrage guy. Absolutely. And it's, it's so interesting. The more we talk about guys, like the more names pop up. Right. And it's so exciting and interesting that we're able to, and have been able to see, 
almost all of these guys play, right? I mean, at the early iterations of the MLL, we, we were pretty young and, uh, mm. but we watched and we've been able to see all of these guys play. It's like seeing the Babe Ruth, right? Uh, of that inaugural class uh, of the MLB Hall of Fame, right? It's just so interesting to see the dynamics uh, of how they will uh, kind of go through the selection process because there's just so many phenomenal players uh, that are absolutely deserving to get in. Uh, it's just going to be a matter of time for some of them to, to get the nod. No, absolutely. And then that kind of, you know, leans us towards the specialist group. Um, I, I think it's really between two guys. And, you know, for me, I really like Jeff Snyder uh, getting in just because he's currently, you know, ranked sixth, um, you know, in face-off category. So in face-offs one, um, and, you know, he did it in only 72 games, obviously phenomenal player, not just in the, in, not just in the MLL, but also in the NLL as well. So he'd probably be the guy that I would put in first as a face-off guy. Um, but Paul Cantabine's another guy too, that yeah. we could definitely hear his name called. Um, you know, I think he's more your pick, right? Just because he was a little bit older than Jeff Snyder. And again, we think it's going to be maybe more towards the beginning of the MLL as opposed to the middle of the MLL. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Paul Cantabine will, will be uh, that first specialist uh, to get in. He won three titles during his career and just a, a fantastic player during those inaugural years in uh, the MLL. But man, I know you mentioned Beast already. I can't wait till three years down the line uh, when, when he's getting his call, name called because uh, he's obviously number one uh, on face all all time uh, face offs one uh, by a pretty wide margin. So that that's something to look forward to uh, three years down the line. Yeah, and you know, and your pick Paul Cantamine sitting at fifty nine percent. That's the highest face off percentage yep. of the league. Uh, you know, in the league too, with the the minimum amount of games. So. Um, yeah, I, I think it's between him and Jeff Snyder and I, you know, I, I would go Jeff Snyder, but it's probably leaning towards Paul Cantamine again, you got to respect the players that, you know, were a part of the start of this league, I think first before you start inducting later players, but, um, yeah, it'll be definitely fun to hear their, their names called whoever that may be in the inaugural class. We're gonna take a quick break, uh, hear a word from our sponsor, and then we're going to dive into our NLL hall of fame. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that is made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Ducanon, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent. Welcome back to Pro Lacrosse Talk on the Lacrosse Playground Podcast Network. So welcome back. We're going to dive into the NLL side of things now. Now, before we get into the Hall of Fame, I do want to talk a little bit about these franchise moves that happened this past week. Um, And the biggest one, I think, was the Toronto Rock announcing they're moving to Hamilton to play their games. They're still going to be known as the Toronto Rock. Um, That's not changing. Really, everything about the franchise is going to stay the same. Jamie Dowick is still the owner, but... They're moving to first Ontario center in Hamilton 
um, due to the fact that Scotiabank just tended to be too expensive to, to rent. Um, you know, they were kind of the fourth tenant there. I know that I think Jamie Dowick a few years ago said that he needed at least 10,000 fans minimum per game to kind of, you know, break even. So if that's what you're looking at, it, it made a lot of sense to go to potentially um, a similar size venue, a little bit smaller, but a size venue that could support, you know, added growth. Obviously it's tough for the Toronto fans that are, you know, in the downtown city of Toronto. Um, you know, that's going to be a little bit of a hike, but you know, Hamilton was the start of the Toronto rock franchise as the Ontario Raiders. Uh, they're returning there um, for the first time since they, you know, became a franchise in 1998. So um, again, I know a lot of the Toronto faithful is a tough move for them, but financially, I, I think it was the right move for them. Um, were you surprised to hear the news? Obviously we heard a little bit before the announcement, but um, what were your thoughts on the move? Yeah, just based on speculation, word we heard, it's not surprising that it came down. It is tough, like you said, for the Toronto faithful to, to have to make that trek. And uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how how the turnout fares for, for this upcoming season. But uh, if it's for the growth and stability uh, of the squad, uh, Toronto still ha has their uh, Rock Nation name, right? So they, they get to keep that and uh, maybe they'll, they'll gain a few more uh, attendees uh, in Ontario. So uh, it'll be kind of a wait and see to see uh, the success of the move. But if, if the franchise thought it, it was the most uh, kind of sustainable move for them, uh, then we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. And it'll be a five-year deal. And the good thing too, is they're going to have a lot more Saturday games. They were kind of, again, relegated to whatever was available, um, you know, being again, the, the fourth really franchise at the Scotiabank center. So I think it's a good move for them. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping it pays off and I think it will, you know, and it makes sense because, you know, now ticket sales can be, uh, you know, ticket prices can be a little bit cheaper. I don't know what the food and drink is there, but a lot of the costs are going to be lower for fans. And it's also a lot cheaper for Jamie Dowick to, you know, own the team and, you know, house a franchise. So in the long run, I think it's a good move. Yeah, I will say, I, I, I really hope we get a, a throwback night with those Ontario Raider jerseys. That's, that's a lot. We can end it that, that, but I really hope we get some, some throwback unis with this rock squad. Absolutely. We need some reverse retros with yes. uh, that style for sure. And then in other franchise news, uh, you know, we didn't have any movement, thankfully, but Bruce Urban, who was the owner of the Saskatchewan Rush, decided to sell the team to the Priestner uh, Corporation, Sports Corporation, which owns the Saskatchewan Blades as well. So um, that move was yeah, obviously going to keep Saskatchewan uh, Rush fans happy because the Rush are staying in Saskatchewan for the long term. Um, but, you know, it, it was a kind of surprising move because Bruce Urban has meant to, so much to this franchise. He obviously owned the Edmonton Rush and brought them to Saskatchewan where they won two championships once they got to Saskatchewan. Um, so I, I think for him to sell the team, it, it was probably a tough decision for him. But we learned from Scott Soshnick of Sportico that he sold them for plus $10 million. Uh, so that, again, is just a big win for lacrosse in general. The fact that these NLL franchises are selling for – you know, more than $10 million, I think is huge. Obviously we're not nearly at the level of other professional sports leagues, but it wasn't too long ago that you could buy an LL franchise for only six figures. So the fact that they're now in the multi-millions, um, you know, in 10, in the double figures of the millions is pretty, pretty exciting. So uh, again, kudos to Bruce Urban for running that franchise so well. Um, obviously that, that is one of the best fan bases in the NLL. And uh, I'm sure they're going to be bumping once, you know, they get back out there on the floor um, come this fall. But um, that was the other news that we had 
uh, in the NLL. So a little bit of movement. Obviously, we had the Albany news earlier. It sounds like we're going to get an announcement, too, on the 15th expansion franchise pretty soon, too. So um, some exciting stuff for the NLL, despite the long layover. I know we're both anxious to see them you know, get back on the floor. But let's dive into the main event, which is the Hall of Fame. They announced that it was coming back last fall. We were doing some speculation on who could get in, and they finally released the 20 nominees. Um, so of the 20 nominees, Adam, tell me a, a few that you think are, are going to be guaranteed and then maybe a few that you think are on the bubble but you'd like to see get in. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned uh, Grant Jr. Uh, do we need to talk about him anymore? I mean, he, he's, <laughs> he, he's going. Another uh, newbie to the list, Colin Doyle, fantastic player for the Toronto Rock. Um, and then, you know, my, my Philly bias shown, but they're certainly deserving. Two guys that are returners, uh, Kevin Finneran and Jake Berge, I think. Uh, those four guys uh, are definitely going to be getting in uh, to this class. You know, you have a combination of, uh, you know, Finneran was, was a little bit ago, Berge, uh, Doyle, and, and Grant. I know he, he's a more recent retiree, but I think, it, you know, bringing a combination uh, of a little bit past, a little bit more uh, towards uh, current day, um, that's a fantastic class right there, plus a bunch of other guys who we could see their names being called as well. Yeah, I, I think those are the four locks. I'd agree 100% with you. Obviously, Grant Jr. and Doyle are going to be first ballot Hall of Famers. Um, you know, I, I would bet the, the farm on that. And then Finneran and Berge have paid their dues. You know, they, they've been nominees before, and it's now their time, I, I believe, too. You wrote a great article earlier this year about those guys getting in. Um, you know, and the, the tough thing is it's hard to predict of these 20 nominees. Historically, it's been such a small class. You know, you only had five in the inaugural season. And since then, it was no more than three. So, you know, I think we're going to see more just because there's been such a long hiatus. Have, but I, I wouldn't expect more than really eight, right? Yeah, I, I think it, for, for just a ceremony purposes, if they're going to put this online, eight, eight is, a, is a good number, right? We, we, mm-hmm. If you've been watching the uh, NBA Hall of Fame, the, uh, the Basketball Hall of Fame, and those kinds of things. Those ceremonies can go go for a while. So uh, probably eight's a good number. Um, and if you go eight for the next few years, I, I think that that's uh, that's a that's a good thing. And you know, another guy I, I didn't mention uh, in my article, which I, I think I certainly should have, uh, is a guy like Sean Williams, who's played 17 seasons, fantastic mm-hmm. player, top 10 in a number of different categories, games played, goals, assists. I mean, he was a phenomenal uh, player, and I think he's certainly uh, deserving. And then, you know, I know uh, I'm talking about a bunch of guys, but uh, a guy that, uh, if you read my article, I was absolutely expecting to see, at least on the ballot, who was already previously on the ballot, is a guy like Gavin Prout. I, I couldn't believe that, that his name uh, wasn't uh, one of the 20 guys listed. Yeah, no, I, I, me as well. And it was funny because the Colorado Mammoth were putting out a lot of media on John Grant Jr. and even Casey Powell, who played a few seasons for them. And uh, I'm sure they were a little disappointed that they couldn't talk about proud. It doesn't make any sense. You know, he was so close for two years before, you know, their hiatus. And as you mentioned, like a phenomenal player that is, has all the accolades that should get him in. Um, so to, for him not to be nominated is, is very odd. Yeah. Like just from, just from a statistics standpoint, like I wouldn't like put his name against others just for, for the sake, but I mean, his statistics based off of some of the guys on the list was a head scratcher for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to not at least, have him listed as one of the 20 guys nominated yeah no and I think too it's it's tough sometimes to to quantify the defensemen um and some of the defensemen that you know are kind of you know interesting to see where they end up if they make it are you know Glenn Clark coach of the Albany Firewolves um is has been nominated Billy D Smith I think is probably the most likely 
of the defenseman, maybe him and Reggie Thorpe to make it. Um, you know, Reggie Thorpe was a two-time champion with Rochester in both 97 and 2007. Um, obviously had a little bit of a coaching stint with the Riptide too. So those are, you know, the three guys I think of the defenseman group that should probably get some looks. Um, but back to the forwards, I really think Mark Steinhaus has a, yep. a good opportunity as well. Um, he currently holds the record for most points with 17, um, you know, was a, a staple for Buffalo bandits, you know, for a long, long time. Um, and his 266 games time for fifth overall in terms of playing games. So he had the longevity, I think, to, to at least, you know, maybe get in uh, this, this upcoming class. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be tough because again, we don't think there's going to be really more than eight. Um, it wouldn't even surprise me if they go as low as five. I think, you know, any lower than five maybe is a disservice, but uh, yeah, that, that's kind of my thoughts on it. And did you have any other guys that, you know, we, we could see maybe get in, but um, are kind of on the bubble? You know, another guy uh, you could talk about is No Mercy Micah Kersey, right? Current mm-hmm. coach for, for the Thunderbirds. At another one you talk about longevity, played 17 seasons uh, in the league, four-time champion. So he has the accolades. Uh, he's top 20 in a number of different categories. So another guy when it comes to forwards that I think you could hear his name called when, when they do announce this class. Yeah. And then another guy that, you know, we didn't really mention that I, I just don't think he's going to get in, but I would love to see him eventually is Casey Powell, the only American to win NLL MVP. Um, obviously he bounced around a lot because a lot of franchises were going in and out, out the door um, in the NLL early and, you know, during his career. Um, but, you know, arguably probably the greatest American to play box lacrosse um, right now, you know, I'm sure, you know, you might argue with that with Jake Berge a little bit, but uh, I, I think he he's one of the, you know, the guys up there that I would um, definitely um, maybe pass on this year, but would get some nods down the road. I just think given this class, it's, it's going to be tough for him to, to break in. Yeah. And, and like you mentioned, Powell, Powell is phenomenal. He is the all-time leading points uh, getter for Americans in the league. So um, I certainly foresee his name being called uh, in the future, just not necessarily for this uh, new class in 2021. Yeah, though, but those are our thoughts on the NLL Hall of Fame. Obviously, the you know Pro Lacrosse Hall of Fame as well. Um, really, really excited about both these Hall of Fames. I mean, we're we're nerds when it comes to the historical players and the stats and stuff. So it's exciting to kind of have these, you know, both a renaissance of the NLL Hall of Fame and this new Hall of Fame. Because um, I know last year, Adam, we were talking about like we should make our own hall of fame for yeah. these pro lacrosse players because there was no recognition for the MLL players of the past. And I think it's great that the PLL is doing that and, you know, paying tribute to those players that came before the league. Absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap up our episode this time. Uh, again, this is our first recap in a while. Happy to have Adam back on the pod. Uh, new Lackstad as of this episode's release. So really excited for you, Adam. Uh, wish you all the best uh, in fatherhood and, Uh, excited again for this upcoming summer of pro lacrosse it's gonna be a whirlwind man between babies and lacrosse games i'm gonna have a lot on my hands absolutely yeah but we're we're excited about it um but that that wraps up another episode of plt we appreciate you guys tuning in if you enjoy this episode make sure to give us a five-star review on apple or wherever you listen to podcasts and just make sure you hit that subscribe button that way you don't miss us and you can make sure you tune in next time to pro lacrosse talk
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode is sponsored by Ducan Supply Co. Ducan is a men's body care brand that features an array of military-inspired products from their signature big-ass bar of soap to their bourbon-infused beard oil. I personally use their big bourbon beard oil that's made with a hint of buffalo trace. I like the oak barrel scent that it gives off, and it makes me feel good about my beard, even if it's not as nice as the one that Adam's sporting these days. As an Army Reservist, I also love that they donate a portion of their proceeds to U.S. veterans. So go ahead and check out Ducan, use our code LAX10 to receive 10% off your order, and find your own signature scent. 